Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose and in today's podcast I thought I would love to tell you about my journey with reconnecting with my power. And I'd like to see it as freeing myself from the domination system through my experiences of following my calling and through pregnancy, birth, parenting, learning and and the whole process. So I'd love to, it's like telling a little story. (laughs) Would you like to hear a story? So if I reflect back on my life, when I was a child and a teenager, I was really, really quiet. I was scared, I was introverted. In those days it was called shy, inverted commas. And I also had what at the time was called a temper. Remember that? how little we understood humans back then. So there was often this um, contrast between the the scared, fearful parts of me and this kind of exuding of unexpressed rage. I remember in my early 20s seeing pictures of myself just occasionally exuding this kind of silent rage, arms crossed, quiet, eyes glinting. In photos as a teenager, my fists were often clenched. There was a lot of unexpressed energy. And nowadays I see that I had a lot of unexpressed, what I call will energy. So lots of repressed rage from experiences of not having choice and autonomy and agency. So if you know my story, you know that I was a premature baby. I was 10 weeks early. So being in the incubator for five weeks as a newborn, all the times where I would have had things done to my body, and of course it was done in in service of care for me, but all those experiences of having things done to me that I didn't want to have done, the the tests and the uh, and all the medical procedures. So by the way, as you hear me share about this, I really want to say that. And most of us in this culture have experienced lots of experiences of powerlessness. And um, because we live in this domination culture, which I talk about so often, and these experiences can be really painful and, and deeply painful. So as you hear my story, if you've had any similar themes, I really invite you to be deeply compassionate with yourself around the listening all the swallows are here singing, 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 singing to us. So back to the story. So uh, as was the, the norm in the late 60s when I was born, I was left alone at night as a baby. I was in a, um, actually in a, a pram. I didn't have a cot. I was in a, one of those very old fashioned, you remember the ones, the big wheels, the... Um, almost more like a perambulator back in the day. And back in the day as well, old-fashioned school coercion, force. And I also experienced being separated from my mum for 18 months and my dad for 18 months. I was with each of them on opposite sides of the world. So there were lots and lots of experiences of powerlessness, of not having choice, not having agency. 
And what we know from an aware parenting perspective and a psychospiritual parenting perspective that when we have experiences of powerlessness, when we're overpowered, when we don't have choice and autonomy, when our no isn't heard, it's really normal and natural to feel outrage and want to express that. But of course, as a culture, we haven't really accepted and welcomed outrage. We haven't seen the beauty of it in expressing that really big no. So I also didn't get to express that. So that's hence the, the clenched fists, the the arms crossed, the unspoken rage. But as I turned into my early 20s, I learned a number of things which really helped change that from the state of being very quiet, um, not speaking up, a lot of tension in my body. I did a number of things. So the first thing I did, which is I started um, psychotherapy. And I remember the first moment where I had that, I really want to do that. I was in a uh, at a centre, a new age centre that I had joined when I was at in Cambridge I was there doing my PhD and I can literally remember that moment do you have those moments in your life where there was a young woman there and she was talking about her therapy that she was going to and how she realized that what was happening was in with her boyfriend was related to her relationship with her dad as a child and although I'd already done my psychology degree and I was doing a PhD in the field of psychology as well I hadn't heard people, hadn't met yet met people who were doing that kind of inner work. And I was, I, I remember having that, I want to do that. I want to understand myself in that way. So I started therapy and also started training myself as a psychotherapist when I was 24. So as many of you have done therapy before you've probably experienced getting to express the what I then called anger and now differentiate anger from outrage and I'm going to talk more about that I got lots of opportunities to express make friends with my anger both in my weekly therapy that I went to for about 10 years and also during training as a psychotherapist, we had um, lots and lots of groups, lots of group work, lots of expression of big feelings in those groups. I remember them very clearly. So that was one of the big things in terms of actually getting to express that pent up energy of all of those years of not expressing it. The second thing I did was I started to see all the places where I had choice and agency. So I really started to listen to myself and what I wanted and what I didn't want and to really start to reclaim my yes and my no. And I started to understand what I now call the domination paradigm, thanks to Marshall Rosenberg and his beautiful work in nonviolent communication and to disentangle myself from that paradigm and the systems set up to promulgate it. Is that the accurate word? I like it anyway. So there were some key points in this journey that I would love to share with you and I wonder if you resonate with them as well. 
So there was the the expression of the anger in therapy and the therapy groups and seeing other people. Again, I, I have particular memories of remembering friends that I met in the training raging, expressing all that unexpressed, rah, often towards um, their parents, not literally, but metaphorically. The next thing that I did that had a big impact was I was doing my PhD on postnatal depression, the mother-infant relationship at Cambridge University. And the paradox is that I love is that because my research, although it had, uh, I did lots of more um, what I call thinky research beforehand, it was a very practical uh, work, research work. So I was visiting hundreds and hundreds of women in hospital just after they had given birth. And through talking to them and through listening to them and through developing my research, I discovered all about the mainstream birthing system. I learned about the cycle of interventions. I learned what often happened in that cycle of interventions. So I'm incredibly grateful for that because, you know, way before I was thinking about or anywhere near ready to become a mother myself, I was learning all about um, that, how the domination paradigm has affected the way we view birth as a culture. And yeah, I'm so incredibly grateful for that. So that was one thing. I also remember again, I love these moments. You have these where I absolutely remember that exact moment. I remember uh, there was a beautiful little bookshop in Cambridge along one of the uh, little streets. And I remember coming across the continuum concept. I imagine many of you have read it by Jean Leadloff. And that had a profound impact on me, really, again, getting to see, getting a, a little bit more freed up. Each time, each, each of these learnings freed me up a little bit from uh, the cultural conditioning that I'd grown up within, like, to actually realise, wow, these indigenous cultures where babies were carried, there was almost continuous con contact and, you know, such a different way of perceiving the needs of babies. I really remember, and again, from my own history uh, of not getting that closeness as a, as a newborn, it was even more poignant for me and all the inner work I was doing in my therapy around my early baby time as well. And what I love again about it is that um, almost that paradox, but but not that I was really in one of what you could call the most masculine bastions of academia, Cambridge University. You know, really one of the you know, those pillar pillars of academia and the mind, and really that deep valuing of of of. Um, that way of thinking, which again is really so much related to the domination paradigm. And yeah, I was deeply connecting with indigenous ways of being with babies, with spending so much time with mothers and babies and really starting to see the, a very different way of being with 
birth and with parenting and with being with babies. And in some way I have a sense that this is really core to my path that I bring together will and consciousness and the mind and action having really lived in that world and really being trained to think in that world with love and compassion and feelings and the body and particularly through my experiences during birth as a mother and my own work around the inner loving mother for example and unconditional love and so I really want to acknowledge that holding those two like the yin and the yang of things so I got increasingly the next thing I got to do is I increasingly listened to what I really wanted and didn't want so for example I left academia when I was 30 even though people were like why do why you want to do that no don't do that you can become a professor and a this and a that and I just knew and actually my body was telling me I would be getting headaches uh, and really that split between mind and body was really showing up for me I just knew that that was time for me to leave and when I was in my early 30s I'd now moved to Australia which is where my mum was born and grew up having lived in England which is where my dad was from and where I had been born Uh, and was now married and we were contemplating getting pregnant and I was terrified I was absolutely terrified and I came across hypnobirthing through a number of synchronicities and through another number of synchronicities so for example while I was reading up about it it turned out that the first um, training to become a hypnobirthing instructor was happening in Australia just a few weeks later and I was using an ink pen actually of my dad's and it all leaked and I I folded the piece of paper over and opened it up again almost like a raw shush ink block test if you know what those are and what clearly showed up was very very clean I still have a photograph of it is um, a woman giving birth I was like yep okay that's a big yes So I went and trained in hypnobirthing and started working as a hypnobirthing practitioner and got pregnant very soon afterwards and and went from being deeply terrified of giving birth, literally terrified, to this profound shift in having deep, deep trust in my body and my baby and our capacity to, to birth and really had that deepest sense of power I'd had up until that point in giving birth to my daughter Um, which was she was posterior it was 86 hours and for about 85 of those hours 84 and a half hours it was unassisted at home me and her dad deeply empowering experience deeply um, delicious as well as long Um, we ended up in the birth centre for the last hour and a half because I promised to him that if he he felt concerned I'd done so much research by the way I'm going to talk about that Um, but he was starting to feel concerned um, so we 
did the last piece in the birthing center around the corner and then came back home again it was most incredible experience and I'd done a huge amount of research and inner work and I had complementary treatments all the way through acupuncture and various other forms of body work and so on and actually a midwife friend visited from England a few weeks before I gave birth and she said she'd never seen a woman prepare as much for birth as I had and really that's the way with all of these ways of reconnecting with my power I really immersed myself in each of these things to really deeply um, change the paradigm that I was living within and the next part of my journey which had really started then actually was so much to do about with uh, language language and reclaiming my power through language and culture so whilst I've been pregnant with my daughter, I trained in private subconscious mind healing, which was, uh, which is a kind of form of hypnotherapy, but it's profoundly based on the power of words on our consciousness. So um, it's very, very different to many other forms of hypnotherapy, and it's really based on... Um, really understanding the specificness of specific words and how to use words in ways that really support um, two things number one us going into a deep um, you know different wave state of consciousness but also deep uh, supporting deep healing to happen uh, and actually I went on to use private subconscious mind healing and calm birth which um, Peter Jackson, who developed Calm Birth, had trained in private subconscious mind healing, and actually it was him from him that I found out about PSH. And I used those both in the birth of my son, which was four and a half years after my daughter's birth. Again, he was posterior, even though I'd done everything I could to support him being anterior. And this time it was a fully free birthing experience. And it was only an hour and a half compared to my daughter's 86 hours. And all because I'd learned about the lifting technique, uh, which m meant that with each surge, so I didn't use the word contractions, again, know about the pa profound power of language. And with each lift, the, the surge was completely comfortable. And if you have had a posterior birth or you have um, a sway back or... You just want to learn about this, and you, you are, um, uh, you know, I can cannot recommend this more highly. The lifting technique. It was, again, another experience of deep agency and power, incredible power, uh, and to have that free birth. And um, he was quite a big baby as well, and just to to know that I could do that. And again, if you think back from that little girl me who was so terrified and so scared and so disconnected from any sense of power agency to can you imagine as a woman I think I was 37 when I had him uh you know a profound shift in my sense of myself and I'd com taken complete responsibility for my profound well-being during both of the births so for my daughter's 
uh, for my pregnancy with my daughter, I'd found a doctor who was willing to do all, all the tests and um, so I had that support and with my son I did even more research and even more um, radical self-care during the pregnancy so I didn't actually have any medical support at all and I wouldn't say I'm recommending this to anybody else but it was the most profound experience in deeply deeply trusting my body and my intuitive knowing and you know, I had so many different um, ongoing treatments I I followed particular um, eating and herbs and all kinds of things I actually used um, a book by Gary Malther and and followed that religiously and you know the the level of self-care that was happening the the level of um different treatments I was doing to really support my body and being incredibly healthy and I was really really so healthy for both of the pregnancies so after giving birth to him I had really had that sense like wow I can almost do anything I've done this from going from being literally terrified to giving birth to literally taking complete radical self-responsibility and again I'm not saying free birth is absolutely not for everyone but I, I knew for me that um, I was still at a point where if I had been in a position where there had been people telling me what to do I, w I wasn't yet in that place where I would be able to stay deeply connected with my own inner knowing and my intuitive knowing and my body's knowing about what was required I would now but I didn't yet have that so for me, it was much, much safer to to be really deeply connected with myself in that way. So parenting was the next way that I deeply reclaimed my power. So having spent the whole of my 20s, of course, combining academic studies. So I went on my research after my PhD. I became a research fellow into um, infant development. After that, I became a lecturer for MA students on the therapeutic relationship. And all through that same time, I'd also trained, spent my whole 20s pretty much training and working as a psychotherapist. So I had all that, that academic background and all the therapeutic background. Of course, as a therapist, training as a therapist, learning all the in, inside out about child development and what children need in order to um, develop into emotionally healthy adults and I was particularly passionate about understanding pre and perinatal psychology so really the impact of our time in utero and birth and the early postnatal period on our the rest of our lives basically so of course, uh, it was really important to me to the, the way I was going to be parenting, the way I was going to be responding to my baby. And I knew that I wanted to combine all that I'd learnt into how I was with my child and then children. And I came across Aware Parenting when I was pregnant with my daughter 19 years ago. 
and it did fit with all my academic and therapeutic work. And it had all these extra pieces that I'd never heard of. So the idea that babies have feelings right from in utero and they can heal from stress and trauma from birth onwards through expressing our feelings in loving arms, as well as all the extra pieces that it had and the ways of understanding babies that were so nuanced. So I started practicing with my daughter and I have loved aware parenting ever since. Uh, as you probably know, so I've been an instructor now for 15 years as of April 2020. And my key reason was to support my child and then children in being deeply emotionally healthy, to get to express their feelings and loving arms, to need relatively few repression mechanisms. That was always my context. So imagine my surprise when I learned through experience that this also meant that they slept easily and peacefully. They often slept until like eight in the morning or nine in the morning. It was often a bit of a joke in our circles that would often arrive late because they would they sleep so late, so relaxedly. They were generally deeply calm and relaxed and present. They were gentle with each other. They were cooperative, generally gorgeous to be with, just so relaxed in their bodies and you know really that's what I love about where parenting is you can really clearly see from observing children the difference it makes so it turns out as I realized that most of the things that we find stressful as parents are the behavioral things that are actually caused by accumulated painful feelings that arise from both unmet needs and just general daily stresses that are inevitable as well as bigger stresses that also generally happen for most children but for some way more than others so again what I loved is that I was free from the old domination paradigm in parenting I didn't ever need to resort to punishments or rewards to coerce them or to force them all of that stuff left by the wayside I mean, of course, my own experiences of being raised in the domination paradigm came out at times to be heard and healed. But I absolutely knew when those were bubbling up and it was a very different thing from those things bubbling up to be heard and healed from specifically using um, those kinds of harsh ways of being with children or understanding children. So language still continued being a really, really important part of my journey. So I'd learnt from, from Alfie Cohn, by example, for example, I really recommend his work about the importance of not praising or rewarding. And of course, aware parenting so much about not, not using rewards. But it was really nonviolent communication, or NVC, which helped me deeply understand language and power at a whole different level. Again, if you're not familiar with MVC in the work of Marshall Rosenberg to really deeply understand power and how it's how we internalize the domination paradigm in our ways of thinking in our in a dialogue in uh, coercion and guilt and all of these things I cannot recommend it more highly it's really such a foundation of how I live and work so again, I came across it nearly 18 years ago. My daughter was still in her first year of her life. 
And what I love about it is that I was having this parallel journey of while she was learning to speak, I was learning to change the way I thought about everything and to speak in new ways. Uh, and it really helped me see how much domination is hardwired into our language and to change that. So I learned about how the word should, when we're shoulding ourselves, that leads to guilt. And that guilt is not an inherent human feeling. Or shoulding others leads to anger, which I then learned that differentiation from outrage, as I talked about. So when you hear me talk about um, that will energy, I don't generally use the word anger. So I know most people do, but for me, I use the more... NBC definition of anger is being more about having a kind of blame energy to it. But of course, always with deep compassionate understanding that underneath that we can really connect with what are we needing and what are we telling ourselves and what are we feeling. Um, and for me, that's really important in terms of our journey with our power because will energy and expressing a really clear, I am not willing for that and really feeling our outrage is very different in our bodies from anger where we're blaming something. You should have done that. It's all your fault. You're an X, Y, and Z. You're, you know, followed by judgments, which to me is actually much more of a, a mind experience. And I wonder if you, to connect with that, whether you experience that too. Whereas for me, outrage is, a, is the way we really clearly express uh, and connect with our deep power, that sacred power. And that clear neo-no, which is very different from being angry at someone. <laughs> uh, and very different experience in the body as well. I learned how our language gives responsibility and blame for our feelings and needs for others, which of course is so much about power and autonomy and choice and self-responsibility. So, for example, you made me feel... And how, again, that's so common in our culture and so commonly said to children. And I couldn't believe that in all my therapy training that I'd done and all the inner work I'd done and all the different other courses and workshops and things I'd done, I hadn't learned and I hadn't come across anyone else who was differentiating feelings from thoughts. I thought that if I said, I feel, then whatever followed was a feeling. I feel that you are. I thought that was a feeling. I learned that many of the words that we think of feelings are actually thoughts. So to, to, if we're using the word, I feel abandoned or manipulated or abused, those are thoughts. And again, the power that we have when we connect with actually, this is a thought and this is a feeling. We can still stand in our, I think this, but when we really connect with our feelings, again, so much to do with our actual embodied power. I learned that I feel that you are is not a feeling but a thought. And I noticed and still notice, and I think it's becoming more and more common. People often say, I feel, when they actually mean I think. I feel like is a really common phrase where it's actually not a, it's not a feeling, it's a thought. And the, the beauty and the power that we have when we actually know this is a feeling and this is a thought. So I deeply, deeply immerse myself in NVC, just as I deeply, deeply immerse myself in learning about pregnancy and birth and aware parenting. I'm sorry about the background noise, little feather the French has come in, so you can probably hear him. So 
I I know and I've really experienced this that if we really want to shift paradigms in our consciousness and our actions it's not enough just to kind of dabble in something we really need to immerse ourselves in the new way in order to internalize it as a new paradigm so I often say I don't often say I occasionally say to parents like for example with aware parenting I tend to think it's important to really research each in each of these fields to to research and discover something that really deeply resonates with you so absolutely to do the research first until you find something in whatever field it is that really resonates and then when you find that thing my own thoughts are when I have found that thing then I have deeply deeply focused on it and not just read about all different other forms of parenting to really deeply immerse myself in this thing to read every book about it many times to to immerse myself in it to talk to other people about it to do courses on it to do whatever I can to fully immerse myself until it's become second nature until it becomes so embodied 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 and embedded and then there's the opportunity to then look at other approaches and and or then move on to the next thing but I think so often I've I see what happens with people when they're wanting to um, work with a new paradigm whether it's parenting or their self-relationship or their inner work or whatever it is that they might find the thing that they really resonate with but I, and again I think this is about really deeply trusting ourselves but but still reading other books and looking at other websites and still um, hearing those other things and I think because these paradigm shifts are so profound that there's something about deeply immersing ourselves in them to really get that shift of consciousness um, and then once we're in that shift we can absolutely do the the the, the reading and all the other things because we've really got this so I don't know if that resonates with you but I find it so important So I saw this in my children as well. They both spoke classical and nonviolent communication for many years. So, for example, I would translate books. I'd read books to my daughter before she could read. I'd translate them into MVC. So if it was judgments or punishments or shoulding or have-doing or any of those things, I would translate it into feelings and needs. And if you know that MVC, observations, feelings, needs and requests. So I, uh, And then when I saw is that, she internalized that she would then and she was reading to her younger brother there was four and a half years difference between them she would also translate into MVC so next came my children's learning I wasn't willing for them to be cared for by people or be in systems where they'd be praised or punished or rewarded or coerced I knew that in particular in those early years they would internalize how they were treated and Again, we all have our own journey on this and you know, I really trust every person's unique journey and I really so value deep compassion for each of us in our own unique journey. I trust how yours is showing up as much as I trust how mine has showed up. So I became really clear very early on that given the options around where we lived, that meant them not going to school. And what I've most learned in 18 years of non-school is how glad I am that I didn't send them to school. 
and how much that freed us all from the domination system. And again, I'm not saying that is the is the is the way for everyone. You know, it's again the the thing about reclaiming our power is I'm not sharing the story because I want everyone else to do what I've done. Is it's a unique journey, and for each of us, it's going to be unique steps that we take. Because the most important thing is about really listening to ourselves, and the domination paradigm trains us out of that self-listening and that self-trusting and that making choices based on our own internal barometer. So for me, that is the most important thing. And I trust whatever your your internal barometer tells you. But what I have learned through my children not going to school and through witnessing them is that children have a profound capacity to learn whatever they need to learn and are interested in. So I often talk about the de-schooling process and it took me a long, long time to really um, free myself from my own internalized schooling experiences and my own beliefs about learning. And I used to think that reading and writing were the most important ways of learning and really the most valuable ways and that learning through doing or learning through art or dance or movement or actually being able to do a practical thing was not as valuable because it's part of the domination culture values the mind and the written uh, and spoken well the written word actually more than anything else spelling maths all of that kind of stuff and has deeply devalued and I would say this is you know goes back thousands of years deeply devalued learning through experience which of course when we were all indigenous, that would be the way we would learn. We would learn through being involved in family and community life and learn through observation and being part of that. And what I've come to value all forms of learning equally. So, of course, I still love reading and writing. I'm very, I love that for myself, but I value all forms of learning equally. So I thought I value how my son learns through gaming. I value how my daughter learns through ballet and art. And I see those as all equally important. There's not one that's more valuable. And again, that's been so freeing for me to to really get um, free from those domination lenses about, about children and about learning and about human beings. And I really learned that they they don't need to be coerced or forced or given marks or homework any of those things that that's really only been happening for actually very short period of time last few hundred years since industrial revolution when we support children in following their interests and support them and listen to them they are passionate and devoted learners they love to learn they want to learn and they retain the joy in learning and their own power and capacity to learn what they love. So in 2006, I started the next phase of my learning. I dived into the field project that's a consciousness as cause work. And I trained with them for six years. I became a facilitator. I did pretty much every training I possibly could. I really so enjoyed that work. And again, it was that my next level of understanding the power of my willingness and identity in shaping my experience of the world. And again, I deeply immersed myself in that process. So that six years, I 
went to every course, I went to every call, I bought all the materials and read them over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and the other way I've reclaimed my power has been through my own contribution in the world. So I really remember I was about 24 and I um, met a man who was a friend of my boyfriend at the time who was choosing to work just two days a week. I think it was two days, maybe three days. And again, I remember the conversation. I remember sitting there, I remember chatting to him. I remember exactly who he was and where we were. And I remember, and again, another one of those that dropping into place a, a piece of like aha wow it really is possible really you really actually don't have to work five days a week from nine to five in a job there is autonomy and choice and so again going back to will power autonomy choice all of these related things it really spoke to me I didn't want to be coerced to work. I really wanted autonomy and choice around work and particularly because of all the will hurts I had, the ways I didn't have choice and power and autonomy and all of those things. It's, it's My will needs are really important to me. So even in my 20s, I chose to work four days a week. I combined my academic research and teaching work with seeing psychotherapy clients. I mean, I was training as a psychotherapist and going off for four-day trainings and all of that and doing um, essays and studying and all the things as well but but I knew even then that I I had choice and when I became a mother in terms of my callings I again I had that beautiful autonomy to to work in ways that were really supportive for me and my family so I kept on seeing some hypnobirthing clients when I gave birth to my daughter and then that shifted to calm birth clients and then it was aware parenting clients as well and then then I became clear that it was just aware parenting I dropped the calm birth and it was just maybe one session a week or two sessions a week and I started writing articles for what became Kindred magazine and the father of my children would look after our children at those times when I was seeing clients I'd often write at night when they were asleep Again, I had that deep sense of um, getting to choose. And over the years, I've really basically gradually increased the amount of time I have worked over the years, gradually, gradually, gradually. And I've always followed what I love. And I actually am so grateful that somehow I knew that right back, right back from when I was uh, 18 and discovered that there was a thing called psychology and went on to do it as my degree and ever since then it was like follow 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 what you love follow what you love follow what I love follow what I love so I ran aware parenting circles and NVC workshops and mother circles and aware parenting workshops and gradually increased the amount of time I was doing that and I've been a single mama for nearly 10 years and about five and a half years ago the next step of claiming my power happened as I started creating online courses so I'd really been in a position um, where I was really short of money and I really have discovered that particularly for mothers that money and power can be so related and I often felt so powerless and actually that combination of 
earning more money so I could actually pay my bills and not be constantly worried about money. Um, making more of a difference, reaching more people, getting to speak, getting to share my own perspectives and my work, expanding my own work, developing my own work and my own paradigms. Sharing my voice and my thoughts was really profound and has been such a powerful part of the journey for me. So what I love is that I choose when I work, what I do, I've created my own paradigm and practices really based on my own experiences around the past 30 plus years and the things that I've created at the moment in particular are the psycho-spiritual parenting and reparenting, the willingness practice, conversations with life, the inner loving presence work and the inner loving presence process. So those four practices and processes are basically the foundation of psycho-spiritual parenting and reparenting. So really basically from being full of self-judgment and fear and powerlessness and inner coercion, I, oh gosh, in my degree in PhD, I could coerce myself into the cows come home. I could do, make myself do anything <laughs> and work and force myself. I was very, very skilled at that. Pent up rage, had all that. From that place, and from the journey I've taken, all the things I've just shared with you, I now deeply value myself and my work. I believe that my work is important and valuable in part of changing the domination paradigm. I have lots of free-flowing life energy, so the will energy is so much to do with really our power, our will, our willingness, and the willingness work. And so I get to keep on, I have so much energy to keep taking action, doing what I love and sharing what I believe is helpful to shift the paradigm. So really I went from not knowing anything about online courses to creating, I think I created about 20 in the first two years, I think. Just again, you can see the pattern. I immersed myself deeply in um learning and practicing and exploring that field. So what I see now as I look back, I've combined my my own personal experiences in coming to love my own frustration and outrage, listening to all the unexpressed powerlessness and frustration and outrage of the younger parts of me that didn't get to be expressed at the time, having these profound experiences of agency and autonomy and choice and power in pregnancy, birth, parenting, education and work, changing my language and my internal dialogue from that inner coercion and the force and the guilt to compassionately honoring my agency and autonomy and choice and working with willingness, not coercion and supporting my children to grow up with so many of their will needs for agency and autonomy and choice being met. And I've combined that inner, well, not the inner work, but really my own experiences and again, really valuing that, those forms of learning, really valuing those forms of learning with what I've learned from others, so others' theories and practices and so on. So that again, and I'd really love to acknowledge them, psychosynthesis, the therapy I trained in, I learned about love and will and I remember at the time just not having any clue what will was. I read the books, I did the essays, I went to the, um, the classes and I still really didn't understand it which is really I think so much been 
for me to actually reclaim my willingness and free up my willingness channel and understand all of this that I've just been talking about today has been so profound then private subconscious mind healing as I was showing about really understanding the power of language on consciousness aware parenting I'm so grateful to Aletha Salter for I learned so much about the importance of autonomy the expression of frustration and outrage through tantrums in particular and how unexpressed feelings turn into aggression then from nonviolent communication thank you so much Marshall Rosenberg to really understand the difference between willingness and coercion to deeply understand guilt to deeply understand again the the profound power of language in our domination culture and how to change that how to, to speak and think in new paradigm ways and the field project I'm grateful to Philip Gollabuck and to really how I learnt about the power of what we're willing and not willing for from from the field project work and I've combined all of those the my own personal experiences and all of those learnings plus from all the courses and various things I've done to my own work around will that I share about and if you're interested in your own taking your own next steps around your own will work which really is basically all about um, from a psycho-spiritual perspective our true nature as love and will it's about all our unexpressed feelings of frustration and outrage it's about our agency autonomy and choice it's about our languaging and our internalized language it's about our yeses and nos it's about the difference between aggression and the clean expression of outrage it's about standing in our neo-no if you're interested I have quite a lot of offerings you can read about it on my website which is marionrose.net but I also have a number of free and paid courses so I have my wonder of willingness course have a powerlessness power over and power within parenting masterclass I have my power and powerlessness in parenting course there's transformation through mothering which is so much about the importance of us really reclaiming our sacred power as mothers and there's a psycho-spiritual parenting course which is all about will and love in our and supporting our children to stay connected with that and for us to reconnect with that so thank you so much for listening it's a really personal journey i there are bits in there that i don't often share about so thank you so much for listening and i do want to say again each of our journeys around will and reconnecting with our sacred power and all of those things is so unique so i'm really only showing my journey as my own unique journey and for me and you know i'll share about this so much elsewhere and i've really focused on will rather than love but for me we are will and love and the will comes from love so really developing our capacity for deep deep unconditional self-love and self-compassion is so much part of this journey as well as deep deep compassion for others so i really want to include that here however your journey has been or has looked or does look whatever you feel called to do that's your beautiful soul's journey and i really deeply trust that 
Thank you so much for listening. I so appreciate you and all that you're doing and all that you're being. And I look forward to talking to you next time.